One, two, three. Hey, welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. This is your host, Scott Needham. I feel like a lot of times as an Amazon seller, either work with or you are a service provider of some factors. If you are working with other brands, you know, you're an agency or a reseller, you're providing a service. But if you are the brand, then you're working with service providers. And I think we're going to kind of hit something very interesting on today's episode. I have with me someone who kind of leads the way for a, a single operator agency. I have Aaron Moore, who runs an agency of one person. And a lot of different interesting ideas of why that's an advantage, but we'll jump straight into it. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for having my entire agency on this podcast. With you. <laughs> well, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been at Team of One? Going on five years. I've been selling on Amazon for over 15 years total, currently selling Amazon myself, but 10 years in the business of selling products, then seven-figure exit of a brand I was partial owner on, and I had to sign away my rights to stay away from that product, basically the technology. And the second best thing I knew outside of that was how to sell on Amazon. I just started selling stuff on my own. And then other people started asking me, what are you doing now? Because I had to sign a non-compete. to you know, non-compete. And I'm like, I'm selling stuff on Amazon. I'm like, can you help me? I'm like, yep. And the person, same deal. Can you help me? I'm like, yep. Oh, you're making money? Well, how, do I, how about I start charging you now? And then it kind of grew from there to an agency of one Five years later, I maintain a roster of about eight to 10 clients. I'm kind of picky but selective on who and how I could bring on everybody. And I've kind of developed my own way of doing it, but I handle every click on everything the whole time. Do you like it? What I love about what I do every day, every minute, is the challenge of selling more on Amazon and the challenge of Amazon getting through that. There's some treasury, but every day it's a new challenge and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you've hit a sweet spot where you're able to be selective. You're like, okay, you're a brand. I see opportunity. There's some brands that like, you know, they, I mean, I just look at my products and I'm like, okay, we've kind of tapped out our opportunity there. I'm teasing myself. I think that your pitch is going to resonate so much better. I actually think when people select agencies, they don't realize that probably not going to be working with anyone that they've spoken to up to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot when I take over bigger, when I take over a new client from a bigger agency. Yeah. And agencies serve a purpose. They are uh, hired hands to help brands that don't have that expertise and maybe they don't want to bring skills in-house. Now, there's so many different ways we could take this, but like, I think the most obvious question that I want to ask is what are the advantages of just being the one-man show who kind of has to think holistically about an Amazon business. I include myself in someone that like, I have done every task, but I keep kind of like hiring out different parts of the business. And sometimes they don't go the way that I want. And it's probably been a, a hindrance to my ability. So what do you think are the biggest advantages of just being a single operator? What I really dig about what I, this, the position I'm in is speed. Whatever I want to do, I do it faster than anybody else can do. Number one, I know how to do it. That's to start with. But number two, I don't have any red tape, Slack messages, or anybody else to work to bounce off and execute with. If I want to do, if I see it and I need it to be done, I just do it. I just get it done. I could re-optimize a listing, change up images, 
set up a new advertising campaign in minutes without asking anybody or needing anybody for it. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're rolling out a new tool and then we're going to market it in a certain way. And I'm like, there's like four or five people involved. I actually don't think their steps are that hard, but like just that mindset. I love what you said. I found it very true. I have never been an amazing manager of people because I want to go in and do it myself. I have that tendency, but when you're working on the right projects, what an advantage that is. So you go in and, you know, you edit the images and do the copy, everything. The words full service are legit. I have a photo studio over there. I have a video studio over there. So when I take on a new client or a current client and we need an optimization on a main image, with client's approval, some of them have their own creative and they don't want me to touch anything. That's fine. But the ones that don't, if I see a new angle or a new idea or a new something, I'm going to go reshoot it, slap it into Canva, bang out seven, eight photos, <laughs> put on infographics because, you know, we want to highlight a new feature, fix a new problem, something like that. Then I'm going to also, I could bang out a video to match that, whatever that change up is, whatever that answering that question is. And it's all done. I mean, I could have all that done, including video in less than an hour. All of it. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, if, I, if I want to. <laughs> How did you build the different skills that are needed? The thing is, is like, I am not ever holding myself accountable to being a graphic kind of guy. I've done video my whole life, but like, you know, in terms of graphics, I've never done that. How did you build the multi-disciplines that are helpful? You know, really back when I was a part owner in a brand, my budget kept on getting decreased on everything. I'm talking like five, 10 years ago, but the company kept on decreasing my budget for advertising, everything else. and I just basically turned to myself and said, all right, well, we can't afford $5,000 in photography in company, in like, you know, product photography. Okay. Well, all right. I got a thousand bucks. What can I do? I bought like a machine that you could, you know, quickly take images with. And then I kind of just insourced what everything I could and find a simple and effective solution for it and kind of transfer that same skill set type mentality to the Amazon. Like five years ago, you could just throw up a 2D image on a white background. It's fine on Amazon. But now you need infographics and all the other fun stuff. So with the advent of Canva and just watching my game, knowing my skill set, knowing what, okay, this is good enough, but other people are starting to do it better than me. Okay, how, how can I stay in front of them? And what's my biggest tool? Speed. So learning Canva, learning better photography techniques, better photography systems. Same with the video, upgrading the lights, upgrading your, um, your cameras, which is an iPhone 14 now, and just five to 10 steps ahead of anybody else that's doing it and knowing, hey, if you don't reinvent your skill set, you're going to be left behind. Someone's going to blow right by you. So you always have to be kind of leaning forward on stuff. Where do you think is the best place to learn? I have made an argument out there that I feel like some of the cutting edge of information on Amazon happens on podcasts, honestly. Mm -hmm. Just like conversations yeah. like this, because you get the people that are operating and they talk about, you can get in-depth enough. So what sources do you turn to? You know, the first one I would say is get in there and get your hands dirty and screw up. Yeah. Do the work because you won't ever figure out like how a bad image affects your sales until you take a bad image, do an A-B test with Amazon software, put it in there and lose sales. You're like, whoa, what did I do there? Like, Or, you know, A-B testing on bullet points and titles and pulling out keywords and, and realizing your search just dropped. By executing and doing it, you learn a ton of data. 
I, I actually think, I did say podcast, but the other one is like just really looking at Amazon. Look at other examples. Look at brands that are executing well and you can get a lot of inspiration. It's not like just like when I film some videos that I've done, I have found like awesome videos. I'm like, I want to do this style. And like, yeah. it's pretty easy to copy someone's style, but apply it to your situation. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm creative in a box, right? So it like, as long as I have like, I, I only specialize in like white box photography, white box videos. Why? Because it's all in a white controlled box. So I have a repeatable style I want to do, a repeatable way I want to do it. It's very effective. And then, you know, sometimes just showing those extra angles on the products and the videos that your competition doesn't do. Or you read the questions and they're like, hey, does it do this? Or is it like this? Or something else? And have the ability to uh, replicate the same system <laughs> in the box, but do it time and time again for every product you represent on Amazon. Yeah, I think a lot of listeners of this podcast to like add up like the agencies and service providers and the resellers that's probably more than half the listeners and we have a few thousand listens and what really stands out to what you're sharing and like why i wanted to speak to them is your counter positioned to what brands are hearing most often most often they're, they're people are bragging about their team yeah and you're bragging about oh like here's what i have done mm-hmm. and how do you feel that resonates? Is there, so when you started doing this and you're like, oh, I could take on a few more clients, how did you find those clients and did, does your position, is it persuasive? Yeah, so um, finding clients back was pretty easy. They, everybody came to me. Everybody, everybody knew in my, previous, in my previous industry that I did very well on Amazon and um, I was always preaching Amazon. I was all about it. People had to tell me to shut up. And um, so... When I came on, I took on a few clients and then when I kind of figured out, all right, these clients need help because they don't have, they don't have, they have two images or pull point suck, whatever. So then I use, then I would just reach out directly to those brands or those companies and get a mediocre response. And then I would just hunker down and start just, just do good for your current clients. And then your, then your clients start doing good and they start talking to their friends. And then all of a sudden their friends own brands or something like that when they contact you. And so it was really probably 80, 90% um, referrals back to me and about 10% of me going out and honestly picking the brands. I'm like, hey, this should be on Amazon. I would hit them up on either social media or their website or something else directly and go, this should be on Amazon and, and here's, here's what you do. And for the brands that worked with other agencies or something like that that were looking for a change, they're like, and then they would hit me up and I'm like, well, you know, who's, who does this for you? Who does that for you? Who does that for you? I'm like, you call me. I'm the same guy. For every problem you have, I'll have a fix for it because I'm the same guy that you call. So I will single-handedly know every single detail of your account all the time, every time. And um, you, there's no outsourcing anything else. I mean, I'm sure like that pitch works really well. Have you ever gone up against like an agency and, and you knew that that like you being the hands-on guy kind of made the difference? In the beginning, I wasn't quite sure like what they really wanted because you know they just wanted something better than last time. And so I listened. I listened at first to figure out what what the other person screwed up last time. I fixed those problems first, and then I'm just attentive on every single uh, answer and question. And then I think I just start different because that experience is so different than the previous one. It completely separates it when they 
hit me up about an accounting question versus a sales question and an advertising question all within the same email and I have an answer for every single one, then they just, then they kind of go, okay, all right, this, 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 this is a little better than out than five different emails to five different people trying to figure out these answers. Wow. So they don't ever jump up and down and go, Hey man, it's so great. We're only working with one guy, but yeah. that's my assumption is man they're And, and you know, sales, sales increase. They stay with me because sometimes the best feedback is that are, they just keep on paying me and, and sales keep on going, you know? Yeah. I love it. I mean, this is kind of like, this is one of the, I've never done a podcast where I, I feel like it speaks to the, um, you know, to the hero employees, to those that like, that want to do everything themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of awesome businesses, not even necessarily related to Amazon that you hear about where like, someone kind of did it all. I think it was like, you know, Minecraft even. I, the, the developer was just by himself for a few years before he expanded that and like built what is a multi-billion dollar business. So like this totally resonates with me. I tend to want to take on all the tasks, want to do everything myself. And then you kind of hear other people will say the opposite. They'll be like, oh, you got to hire that out. You got to have like a VA to uh, handle this and this and this. Yeah. Do you ever like felt like that pull to be like, okay, for like this specific task, I just want to like hire someone to make this easier? Nope. What my first thought process is, how can I make this faster? How can I make this more efficient? How can I arrange this? Perfect example is all advertising is all manual. And I use the Amazon system. But what I developed was a keyword system for every campaign, every name has a system to it. So if I used analytic keywords, I would say ANA and or branded, you know, broad, exact. So I just learned a better, faster way to optimize every action I do. If I do it first time, I expect to be slow at it. Second time, a little faster. Third or fourth time, it better be smooth. Then if you have to do that operation, keep optimizing. If sometimes you could just cut out that operation and don't need it or batch them all together. Batching is probably my biggest time saver on stuff. If I need to do a title, I might as well do title, bullets, and keywords, and search term keywords, and alt text, all at the same time. Because it's all the same words. I mean, they're they're all in there. And I have special systems in Excel spreadsheets where I pull out every word that's redundant and just line it up. And then um, AI helps now a bit, but I had, you know, I got it done before AI too. It's just kind of saved a a few minutes now. So, but just learning now, I mean, I, if I outsource it, I don't feel like I'm in control of it anymore. I don't feel like I have the edge to know it anymore. You know, part of my sword is understanding and knowing and seeing the trends by actually doing it. Now, the brands that you've worked with, if you had to attribute the biggest lift to sales to um, one part of kind of what you've talked about so far, where do you think like the biggest lift is? This one's funny. Inventory, believe it or not. Inventory and operations. When I come into a company and they don't have 60 to 75 days worth of inventory on the shelf or they just have problems getting product out the door to restock Amazon at an increased level, some of it's just making sure the product leaves the dock to Amazon. Once that's kind of over and done, then, then after that, it, it's... And is that just simple forecasting? Like... Well, you know, it's, it's an operational thing. Cause again, when I get in, I work with everybody in that company, you know, I'm a, who's your operational guy? Who's this, the, you know, and it was a three PL or something else to say to restock. It is, uh, 
you know, it's good restock first, but sometimes I'm sending, sending labels to the 3PL and the 3PL doesn't, they won't get off the dock to restock. So once we have that going on then, and then I redo a forecast, like a rolling 90 day forecast of what you're going to need for the next 12 months. And then they increase the inventory. And once your inventory levels go from like 21 days to like, say 65, 75 days, it's kind of an automatic lift right there. Cause Amazon sees, Hey, you could sell some stuff. Let's give you, let's give you a little bit higher, you know, better priority on your search results. And here you go. Do you think that like, that's the kind of, I've never heard that before that like, if you have 20 days of cover versus like, say 50, 60 days of cover that mm-hmm. like Amazon sees that like, oh, you're not going to stock out. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I have no data to back that up except for consistent month over month, year over year sales for, for all my clients. Really? Because I've always felt that like Amazon's really tried to get people to have inventory of like, let's say four to eight weeks of cover. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like their strike zone. Yeah. If people get to, if they get much bigger than that, then like, you know, there can be some fees. If they get lower than that, then they're like, well, we're going to stock out. And yeah. so that's generally kind of been their goal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a balance all year long because I mean, and, you know, that's kind of like the logistics hat is like, okay, sometimes you're, you're sending pallets on with small parcel and you're doing that. And then you're watching capacity limits and all the other stuff, which we're, we're about to run into. And at the same time, you're working with a company going, all right, we need another container or two in route. And, you know, for, for all the countries, like just not the U.S., but we got Canada and, the, and Europe to worry about that we're on these, um, uh, we're about to run out of inventory. And so we need this. I want, we're going to shoot for 90 days of inventory because we're going to probably land at 75 given travel times um, in there. And they go, what? We've never had this much inventory before. I'm like, I know, but you never had this much sales before either. And if you want, you want to grow, you, you, you have to do this and it works. I've been in situations where like, I'm like, okay, we would just have to just take on more loans. You know, we don't have mm-hmm. enough money right there. And so yep. I guess you're pushing people to be like, well, you need to set up the financing for this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then uh, again, you know, having, having been an owner in the past, it's like, okay, what's your line of credit situation at? What's cause I will be able to show your, your bank, all the documents they need on where this is going to step stone to, or even if it comes up a little bit short. So I'm, I'm going to just make sure you got the money for it and everything else. And, you know, good thing with Amazon was for Seller Central, every, every two weeks you're getting refilled again. So I'm like, plan out your payroll, plan out what you need to do with this, but get that financing available. And then you know, obviously Amazon offers you loans and all that other stuff too. Now, what type of brands do you like to work with? You know, the category, I don't really care what category it is. What brands I like, they need to be trademarked. I prefer patents on several things, but I work anything from flashlights to shoe cleaner to supplements to outdoor games, golf accessories. And if I feel like the optimization is needed or could help the sales, and if I feel like that could increase their sales, I don't care what the product is. I'm 80% data, 20% gut. And if I know I could do it, I'll take them on. Then you've also turned away some brands. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I like over the years, I've kind of refined my ideal customer. I, at one point in time, I had 20 customers, 20 clients, or 20 brands total on Amazon. So we're talking 20 different logins, all of this, all of that fun stuff. So I'm down to 10, 8 to 10 now. And my ideal customer is less than $4 million a year, from $0 to $4 million a year. 30 parent ASINs or maximum 100 ASINs total. 
and I like a really small management structure, three to five people. Anything else fits more than four million a year, the management structure gets too deep and there's too many meetings. Because again, like I'm the guy doing the clickety clack on the keyboard. So if I'm in five different meetings for one company, I'm not getting anything done. So under that three to four million is kind of where it maxes out. Anything under that, it's usually a pretty smaller management structure. The ASINs are pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Like, you know, the less ASINs, the less times it takes 30 parent ASINs. You know, if it's just size and color, that, those, those are simple to manage. And then patents are patents. I really like because you could protect them. You could use all of Amazon systems with transparency and all the other fun stuff. Uh, an apex to fight patents, keep your product on there and leverage that against anybody that's coming on and try to hurt your sales. I don't come across a lot of brands that have like patents. Mm-hmm. Do you usually see it? Like you said, like, for example, I don't know, like golf accessories or like outdoor games, you know, some of that stuff does seem fairly copyable or you maybe even just, you could change it a little bit like, and then, you know, functionally it's similar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wanted you to expand because like you're, I think if you're you're thinking about patents, not from like a legal standpoint, just be like, okay, this is defendable revenue. We can like grow this. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things on Amazon. 90% of the time, it's just a one-to-one knockoff of whatever product it is. So it's so, it's so obviously bad that someone, someone just knocked the same product off or a factory in China just try to make the same thing and put it out there. So once you file with the Amazon, the Apex, the Amazon system. What, what's Apex? So Apex is um, Amazon Express patent examination or something like that. Basically, if I had, if somebody, level one is somebody's ripping off a patent and I just file the brand registry. Hey, they're ripping off my patent. Can you take it down? It's 100. It's a one-to-one knockoff of my exist, uh, existing patent. Here's my patent. Boom. And they take it down. Now, if they don't take it down and the other guy goes, nope. We, this is, this is our patent. This, okay. So then you go into a, basically an arbitration. So the other person goes, all right, I, this is my patent. We go, this is our patent. And if we agree, if we both agree to it, we put $4,000 into a hat for Amazon and then they make, they make an arbitrary, right? But you have to commit to that part. Yep. Not one person on the other end has ever committed to it. We commit on our end. And so we commit to it and then they go, nope, we're not going to do it and they lose the apex challenge. And so then we get assigned an apex number. So an apex number says we own the patent on Amazon and, and anything similar to it, like the case we just won kind of, we could refile anybody else pop up similar to that. I just file with an apex number now and, and boom, 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 boom. And it, I mean, it's really best useful. Like it, that it's just an obvious, obvious cut, you know, obvious infringement, obvious, obvious copy just, they didn't even try. So that's the best. You have to have an actual patent. It can't be like patent pending. Yeah, an issued patent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Patent pending, there's some things you could do, but pat, an issued patent is the best. Mm-hmm. So, and just harnessing their system every time it pops up, I have an auto search going on all the time for like certain certain things. And What if, uh, what if uh, something is like not a wonder, like not a complete copy, like maybe right. like similarities? I don't yeah. Know. So I would still try, if if I believe I have a background in mechanical engineering and I have my name on a ton of patents as well, so I have have a good working knowledge of it. Definitely not a lawyer. Definitely, this is not, this is not legal advice. So if it's close and I believe there's claims in there that are violating, I will still file a patent claim because I want, I want to fight it. I want them to tell me how they're not infringing. Um, 
And many, ta- and many times I will have uh, counsel from the brand, their lawyers sign off on what I'm about to do or what I'm trying to do and the claims and I'll just show them pictures and stuff. Sometimes I'll do a test buy and I'll do, do a report back to the brand like, here's, here's X, Y, and Z claims. I believe they're infringing. This, the lawyer um, signs off on it and goes back. Because this, the, the patent, patent process is pretty simple on Amazon and it can be, save, you, save you a ton of money too because all you need to do is win, win is get the other guy taken down. Um, and, uh, if they, and they most likely didn't do the homework. And if they did do the homework and they want to fight and you put that $4,000 in the hat and let, let Amazon tell you. How, how do you actually, uh, so no one's ever put the $4,000 in the hat. I, guess. No, I have, I have over half a dozen apex numbers and no one's ever put uh, money in that other hat. All right. Well, you're, you're probably slightly looking forward to it. So like one day you're like, okay, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, and, and, and really like I wouldn't probably, I wouldn't challenge that if I knew, um, if I knew I was going to lose too, of so, course. but it's also has to be worth it because somebody uh, seller will pop up and they're doing, they're doing 300 bucks a month. And I'm like, I'm not sweating those guys, uh, $3,000 a month and they're hurting our sales. Okay. And then that's something you want to work, work for. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Let's see. Now, I know that one of the reasons I, I like you caught my attention when you um, you mentioned that you you use Smart Scout and like you know it's not a perfect tool. We're we're working to make it better. What are your favorite? I, I I really think this will be interesting because you know you're getting all the work done. What are some of your favorite tools that you use? Yeah. Okay. So it's it was a start at the beginning when one of my favorite things I like to do is when it's like a new client meeting potential client meeting. I love breaking down the subcategory and telling them where either where they're at or where they could be on the subcategory breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, cause it's, it's a, it's a financial investment on their end. You're going to have to, they're going to have to hire me. They're going to have to run advertising. They're going to have to commit to this stuff. So I want to show them there's something light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm like, here's your category. Here's your total category. Here's who's winning the category at your price point. Here's what your piece of the pie is or the total piece of the pie. Now, if you could get 1% of this $280,000 a month, would you be happy with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so that's $28,000. Okay, so it's it's a worthwhile investment for them to do it. I'm like, all right, cool, if we, if we got 2% of this, because I kind of, I don't, I break it down, I'm like, we're not gonna go over the pie. I'm not gonna invent Amazon. We're not gonna go over the pie. We're just gonna take a slice, or slices from, from other sellers on there. So, I give them actual factual information that I pull from Smart Scout, and then I can also tell you, well, you know, the other market's dominated here at the lower price point, but your price point's here. This is where we're at. So I give them a fair assessment of what they could, what they could get at, and I'm like, don't worry about the 4.2 million dollars the total category is. Worry about your subsection of the category and one percent of it. And as long as they're happy with that number, then they move ahead. I love kind of giving them a fair assessment of how much money you can actually make. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then break down fees forms. It anchors the conversation. Yeah, I think a lot of you know I've heard this from brands. I, I heard this from a guy last month. He's like, he's like, I don't know if this like Amazon dream is true. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I just keep hearing like you know all these numbers or whatever, and like, and I'm kind of this was a global brand, and they saw Amazon as a nuisance, and like he's like, well, but like if we got to a million a year, like I think that the data can help center that conversation around like okay this is realistic this yeah um, yeah uh, this is possible 
Right. Yeah. And then, you know, then I, then I go, all right, that's 1%. Is, you know, 30,000, 2%, 4%. You know, and the category leaders are at five, five to 7%. So there's, you know, and they're like, okay. So that moves on. So boom, once I get a new account or I'm on, I love to go in that the subcategories tab is probably most used by me because now I'm going in there because I got the new brand and now I'm going to subcategories. Now I'm going to take that. I'm going to take all the, uh, all the brands on there. I'm going to pull all their ASINs and all the top sellers. I'm going to advertise against those. Then I'm going to pull them all by, by product only and then sort those by price or, you know, what, relative to uh, what I'm doing. And now I'm going to pull those, all those ASINs, say 10 to 20 of them. Now I'm going to run sponsored display ads, sponsored brand ads, video ads. I'm going to do targeting of sponsored products. I'm going to take, you know, plug those in and match my uh, keyword ranking against those top sellers versus my, my product. Now I've got a whole, another list to advertise on and I basically build my attack uh, on Amazon from that uh, subcategories list that are on there. That's awesome. Um, do you like to go for products that are like at the same price, lower price, higher price? I flank everything. So if there's a, if there's a big category, say like a 15% category leader or something like that, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leave them alone at the top for a while, but I'm going to come in at, uh, say if it's a brand new product launch, I'm going to put in the Vine program, so I'm going to get a bunch of reviews on there. I'm going to come in and start picking off the little guys at the bottom that have, say, five, five to 100 uh, reviews. And I'm, I got the Vine program, so I'm going to get 25-ish reviews, plus I get sales and some more reviews. So I'm going to come around them on all way, shapes and sizes, attack all the small guys and kind of move up the chain to them. And then I'm going to see kind of what their other brands or other products they do have. I'm going to find a product in there. It's usually a brand, but if they have like four or five products in there that, that are kind of struggling, I'm going to, I'm going to target those ones, not their main one. There's those ones because I want them to entice, entice with the product that we do have. Um, and those ones are, you know, not enough people are buying them. So it's easier to uh, um, win, win the bids on, on there. So I attack at all angles when it makes sense. Uh, price points always, always tough. Um, so I always try to stay close to my price point or advertise against products that are higher because then I'm looking like a savings on them. Going after low price point stuff only if they have bad ratings because then it's going to prove that, hey, my product's better and you're not going to have to deal with that product okay. kind of thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's kind of a, I don't know. I, this was I mean, Aaron, thanks for coming and uh, chatting about this. Like we hit, you know, the service provider part of things, but then also evolved into a lot of the strategy mm-hmm. that you actually roll out. And, you know, some of the posts that I've seen that you've done over the years, like I love it when people just like truly know their stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if any listeners want to learn more from Aaron Moore. Uh, where are you most active? LinkedIn is probably most active for probably, you know, in this focused market, but I'm also on every social media um, at the AMZ Aaron. So I uh, plug that into TikTok. I'm trying to you know, get more traffic there because there's, there's more people that could learn, learn about what we do on a day-to-day basis. LinkedIn is obvious, obvious one for it, but I'm, I'm across all platforms. All right. Okay, I'll leave you with one question is like, do you see yourself doing this for a long time? And or do you see like Amazon, how do you see it evolving for the next, you know, five, 10 years? 
I think my exit strategy, because I, I don't have much to sell other than my knowledge, right? right? So my exit strategy is I have a couple brands brewing in the background, a couple products. So a few products brewing in the background, a couple brands that I will most likely launch um, and run those concurrently and sell those brands off. That okay. would be my, that would be my exit strategy. So sell a couple brands off a couple times. Well, if you're, if you're building brands then at least you're uh, that's a, that's a semi positive outlook for Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody always, Amazon's not an e- e-commerce platform. It's a logistics platform that does it better than anybody else out there. Right now, all the talk is like TikTok shop or whatever. Well, guess what? Someone still has to put that in a box and ship it to the customer from TikTok shop. It will never take over Amazon because Amazon does the whole thing for you. And until somebody come, competes with the whole logistics of Amazon, Walmart failed at it. Shopify failed at it. And I don't think they even ever got close. No, like, we're talking like single digit percent. They were, they, here, here's why I say like, you know, they struggled just for the two day shipping. Yeah. Um, Amazon, I mean, more often than not, I am seeing the product the next morning, you know? Yeah, or same day. I mean, I'm in Phoenix and it's same day. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, what? Who's that guy? Oh, I just ordered that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and they're probably doing it with fewer touches at a mm-hmm. more affordable way internally. So like if someone tries to come up against Amazon FBA, I'm like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. It's that logistics. It's that logistics touch that I, not enough people think about that. I send Amazon pallets and then they ship out the onesie twosies and I sit back and collect the check every two weeks after some work's done. No, no one can compete with that. Shipping out 300 packages a day. No one, no one wants to mess with that. No one. Yeah, we had a, when, during COVID and there was some quantity restrictions, mm-hmm. we had some SKUs that were selling, you know, one to 2,000 a day. Yeah. And we, had to, we had to do the FBM and that took a team. Right, right. And you can't, you can't, you can't do it cheaper than Amazon. The logistics and everything, the, the overhead. I think TikTok shop is really a hot topic right now. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's just another e-commerce site, but somebody has to fulfill it. And Amazon, and they're, TikTok's kind of cranking down on what Amazon links you can put on there and stuff like that too. So I don't think they're going to play too nice on that, but yeah, someone has to get that off. It'd the door be interesting to see where they go. You know, TikTok, they could create something. Mm-hmm. I'm still, um, you know, they'll probably still burn a lot of money before they figure that out. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, that's the biggest advantage on why Amazon, why I believe Amazon will be around for Love many, it. Many um, more years to come. I, I'm with you 100%. I, I don't yeah. think people talk about Amazon FBA enough from, yeah. like, from like a positive perspective. Like, like you don't realize what you got. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron, thanks for chatting. Good hey. time as always. So if any listeners, you know, check them out on LinkedIn and you can learn more about what it takes to be an agency of one. So thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having my whole agency on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, well, that's the pod. Take care. We'll see you guys in the next one. One, two, three.